Welcome to the Thurfield Chapel Sermon Podcast. Well, good morning. Uh, Welcome. Great to see you here Uh, this morning. Welcome if you're watching online. And if you don't know already, my name's Paul, service partner, leadership team here as one of the elders and pastor at Thurfield Chapel. And uh, yeah, today we're going to be looking at the theme of prayer. So um, let's begin uh, by praying. Father, how uh, we need you. Well, sometimes that uh, is a truth that surprises us. It doesn't surprise you. But we, we thank you that you are a good, you are a kind, you are a gracious Father. Lord, and that you will meet our need. Lord, and our need, as we've been singing, uh, is to know you. Lord, to know Jesus, to experience your presence, to change and to transform us, that we might be the people that you have created us, that you've called us to be. Uh, and so would you work Uh, among us, work in us and through us this morning uh, as we spend time now meditating more uh, on your word. Amen. Uh, So how good are you at asking for help? When when you go shopping and you're looking for that item uh, in the store and you can't find it, do you immediately go to someone who works there and asks Asks, you know, can you help me find it? Or are you one of those people who will just scour all the aisles, see if you can see it first? Maybe you're one of those people who, if you can't see it, concludes it's not in stock, so you'll just leave anyway. Why bother uh, asking someone? It's a bit awkward sometimes, isn't it? Or asking for directions. Now, fortunately, smartphones have kind of saved us from that awkward social interaction there. Uh, Anyone maybe over the age of 30, though, Probably recall those times where it's necessary to ask someone for directions. Maybe you were in the car. Maybe you were driving or you were a passenger. And and was the driver of the car someone prone to ask for directions? Or was it the conversation of, I know where we're going. We'll be fine. Don't need to ask for directions. We'll get there. How good are you at asking for help? A few years ago, we were camping and we're out there, we've got our pitch already. I'm setting the tent up and one of the fiberglass poles breaks. Now, I could repair it if I had some duct tape. We don't have any duct tape with us. Seth, who's about six at the time, says, why don't you go and ask someone else? Someone else on the campsite. I'm like, no, that's fine. <laughs> I'll just replace it with one of the tent poles from the awning and we'll do without the awning and in a few days' time, now, when Tesco's open, I'll pop down there, I'll get some duct tape, and it'll be sorted. And Seth just goes, well, I'll ask, and disappears. And a few minutes later, he's running back with a big smile on his face, waving this duct tape. And maybe, maybe it's a British thing, maybe it's a male British thing, but we don't always like asking. A kind of, I can sort it myself, and if I can't sort it myself... Now, I'll just learn to live without it. Yeah, some laugh. So either people, it's related to them or they know someone uh, it's related to. And maybe that is your experience. Maybe that's the experience of someone that you know. But certainly when it comes to prayer, I think we can all be very much prone to that approach. And so Jesus uh, teaches this particular parable that we're going to look at in Luke uh, 11. Because actually God is more willing to give than we are to ask. So we're continuing our series in Luke's gospel. 
Uh, this gospel that is written to demonstrate how Jesus is indeed the fulfillment of all God's plans and promises. And from the very beginning, his purpose has always been the blessing of his presence extends over the whole earth. Uh, we come uh, at this point in Luke's gospel, as we've been considering over these last few weeks, this journey uh, to Jerusalem and this theme that we've looked at of our dependence upon God. We are dependent beings. We're not self-sufficient We're not self-sustaining, but that isn't a negative thing. It's not an oppressive thing when we see who God is. So here in Luke 11, one of Jesus' disciples comes to him and asks him to teach them how to pray. Now, prayer, one of those things that comes from our dependence upon God, that we're to pray, that we're to seek him. And Jesus' words here are probably very familiar to us. We might be more familiar with the fuller kind of Lord's Prayer, as we call it, uh, from Matthew 6. And Jesus, being a traveling preacher, he will have reused stories and illustrations and teachings. Sometimes I have uh, the privilege of being able to do that, uh, pulling in illustrations from previously. At other times, you end up just hearing the same illustrations again and again. Uh, But Jesus reuses illustrations uh, and teachings. And in Matthew 6, he teaches on what we call the Lord's Prayer and focuses in primarily on that line, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then there's this short teaching that expands on that line afterwards. Here in Luke 11, Jesus focuses mainly on this line, give us today our daily bread. And he unpacks uh, what that mean? What, what, what does it mean for God to meet our daily needs, for us to ask God to give us our daily bread? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Our focus really is going to be on the parable uh, in Jesus' teaching uh, that follows it. Uh, the Lord's Prayer we're, we're using as giving us the context of Jesus' teaching here. So as we've considered that we are dependent beings, we're not self-sufficient. What does it mean and how are we to come to God and ask for him to meet our needs? Two things we're going to look at this morning. That's to ask expectantly and to expect good. So we begin asking expectantly. Do follow along in your Bibles. Luke 11, starting at verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then... Jesus said to them. And so then Jesus tells this story. He tells a parable. And we've seen recently how parables work uh, in different ways. And in this instance, Jesus is taking a scenario that was very familiar to the people of the time and using it to put across a point. Now, the thing is for us, we're not first century Middle Eastern Jews. And what was obvious for them isn't always obvious for us, And so there is a need for us to look at parables and to sometimes pull them apart a bit, explain what's going on here. But as you know, when it comes to maybe telling a joke, if someone has to explain the punchline, it loses something of its impact, doesn't it? And so one of the ways with certain parables 
Perhaps the best way to honor it is to take that parable and to kind of modernize it so that we hear it in a similar way that those first disciples would, even though it's maybe a slightly different context. And so that's what we're going to do uh, first. We're going to take kind of a modern equivalent of this parable so we feel something of the point that Jesus is making. Then we'll dig into the parable a bit more uh, and see, test that this is a faithful reading of the parable. So this is a true story. And um, in March 2017, Tanya had just come home from heart surgery. She'd been in a hospital. Uh, she was recovering. She was at home. Her parents had just left that evening, so they'd been staying with us for a short period of time. And at this point, Tanya is unable to, to even lift a kettle. They said she can't lift a kettle for about six weeks. She's been wired back together. I go to bed that evening, and about midnight, I wake up and hear this <coughs> noise. And it's coming from Orla's bedroom. So I go into Orla's bedroom. She's about 18 months and lying in her cot. And though she's breathing, she's having great difficulty. And so to cut a long story short, I call 111. Uh, they send paramedics over. They give something to Orla to help her with her breathing because she's got croup. But they want her to go into hospital so they can give the proper steroid treatment. So we're waiting for an ambulance to come. Here's the dilemma. I need to go to hospital with Orla. Normally, that wouldn't be a problem because Tanya would stay at home and she'd look after Seth. Tanya can't even sit up without aid. So if she needs something or Seth needs something whilst I'm gone, we've got a problem. I need someone who can be there in the house should Tanya or Seth need anything when I go to hospital with Orla. It's one o'clock in the morning. That whoever I call is going to be asleep. And chances are, if I call them, I'm going to wake the rest of the house up. When you're in that situation, what do you do? It's fairly obvious, isn't it? It's an emergency situation. Even though you know it's going to be awkward, even though you're going to disturb people, you're going to wake someone up, you will call them. Because you expect in this situation, the person is going to come over and they're going to help. You know, if you were going to call someone up to say, uh, you know, what, what, what time is the football tomorrow at one in the morning? They'll be like, why are you calling me now? But in this scenario, you expect someone to come over and to help. And so that's what we did. We, we called our friend. It was one o'clock in the morning. And they're like, of course, I'm coming over. They dropped everything. They stayed. They kept an eye on, on Tanya and Seth. Uh, and I went off to hospital with Orla. I dared to ask, even though it was a kind of an awkward situation. And because I asked, I, had, I received what I asked for. And that's the point that Jesus uh, is making here uh, in this parable. That we are to ask and we are to ask expectantly. And so what Jesus does is he then presents this hypothetical scenario. So in our case, it's a real scenario, a hospital scenario. And Jesus takes a scenario that would have been familiar uh, to the people at that time, one of hospitality. The hospitality dilemma. Because in that culture, 
at that time, one of the cultural expectations is that you would offer hospitality to visitors. It's the case in many parts of the world still now. If someone comes and they need food and they need lodgings, you had that cultural obligation to provide it for them. Now, and every culture has different expectations, doesn't it? You know, if you go to London and you're on the tube, you are expected to stand on the right of the escalator. That's a cultural expectation. Woe to you if you stand on the left. Now, why we drive on the left and stand on the right, I'm not entirely sure. But you know that that's something that is expected of you. There was an even greater woe, an even greater shame in this culture if you didn't offer someone hospitality. And so just imagine for a moment, you're a first century Jew, and a friend has come to you. They've been on a long journey. They are looking for uh, food. They're looking for shelter. You have this obligation to be a good host, to provide these things for them, but you have a problem. You don't have any bread. You ate it all at dinner time for some reason. And there's no 24-hour supermarket for you to just nip out to uh, and get some bread. What are you going to do? You suddenly remember, earlier that day, you saw your neighbor baking bread. They, they were baking plenty of bread. They're going to have extra that you can use and that you can borrow. Great. Problem solved. Except, if you look at verse 5, Jesus says it's midnight. The middle of the night. You're going to have to go and disturb your neighbor, if you want access to this bread, this hospitality scenario. Now, at that time, people often slept in the single room on the floor uh, with mats rolled out next to each other to keep themselves warm. So if you wake up one person, you're going to wake up the whole household, especially when they have to climb over everyone and lift the big beam to unlock the door. What are you going to do in that situation. You have this desperate need. There's a way that that need could be met, but for that need to be met, it means that you are going to be a nuisance. In your mind, you think, it's going to be annoying to everyone else. It's going to inconvenience them. What are you going to do? Again, to those first hearers, the answer is obvious, just like with our uh, hospital scenario, when it comes to the hospitality scenario, well, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to wake them up. I have a need. And though, though it's somewhat awkward, though I'm potentially going to be a nuisance, you expect that person to respond positively, and so you go and you ask anyway. You dare to ask. Now, this isn't a parable about persistency in prayer. This will come later. Jesus will talk about being persistent in prayer in Luke 18. Just notice here, the neighbor doesn't say, look, the door's locked, my children are in bed, I'm not going to give you anything. But then because you keep badgering them, they eventually go, okay, I'll get up and I'll give you something. Jesus doesn't say that's what happens here. This isn't about persistence. This is about daring to ask. So in verse 7, suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus is laying out here a possible scenario. Not necessarily a probable scenario. 
but a possible scenario. This is the kind of thing that runs through your mind when you're contemplating asking someone for something that is a little bit awkward. So for us, if we're going to call someone up uh, at midnight and say, we need your help, can you come over? And you start thinking through, well, you know, maybe they've had uh, a late night and they've, they've only had a few hours sleep or you know, the rest of the household is going to be woken up or they've got work uh, in the morning. Should I be asking them? This is the kind of scenario that goes through your mind. This isn't a parable about persistency uh, in prayer. This is about daring to ask because look at the conclusion that Jesus draws in verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And Jesus says, in that situation, the reason you get what you ask for is not because of friendship. Friendship isn't the reason you get what you ask for. It's because you dare to ask, even when it's awkward. Even when it seems like being a nuisance, you dare to ask. And in every culture, every time, we know of those situations, those scenarios where we expect a positive response from people, no matter how inconvenient that might be. So in Jesus' day, the hospitality scenario. For us today, we can think of the hospital scenario. No matter how much is going to potentially bother someone, you dare to ask. You expect that positive response. And so Jesus takes this principle here that we are familiar with, and he applies it to prayer. It's as though Jesus is saying to his disciples, says to us, look, you all know that situation, that scenario where you dare to ask. You overcome that awkwardness and the embarrassment of asking. And because you ask, you receive what you ask for. Well, then how much more when it comes to prayer should you ask your heavenly Father? If you're going to ask a friend who's asleep and the door is bolted, then how much more should you ask your heavenly Father who does not sleep, who does not slumber, who is standing there at the door ready to meet your every need? And so Jesus' conclusion from all this, have a look at verse 9, is so. So I say to you, the application is ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. So Jesus says, ask, it will be given to you. Everyone who asks receives. Teaching that we should be expectant as we pray, and the grammar that's used in this passage is of an ongoing action. So you keep asking, you keep seeking. You keep knocking. And again, this isn't because God is reluctant to respond. It's not having to wear God down. As though we keep saying, please, 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 please. And then God eventually goes, okay. Just to shush you up. Now this, this constant asking and seeking and knocking is because there is to be a constant receiving. A constant finding. A constant opening of that door. Verse 10 
is also in this continual sense. So we keep asking so that we might keep receiving. If we remember, this is all set in the context of verse 3 of the Lord's Prayer. Give us today, each day, our daily bread. This is a continual daily, day by day, moment by moment, asking and seeking that we might receive, that we might find. So Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Do we dare to ask? In 2004, I was out in Ecuador for uh, two months and uh, we were doing a building project uh, out there. And uh, in Ecuador and other parts of the world as well, you still have people where that experience of your daily bread is a real thing. Maybe don't have a permanent job, but they're out looking for work which is available to them. And there's this one man, uh, a Christian guy called Victor. And we heard this story a bit later on, but he was out that morning looking for work. So he had a family looking to meet his needs and his family needs. And as he was out walking, looking for work that day, he was praying to God, pretty much this prayer, give us today our daily bread. Lord, will you meet uh, mine and my family's needs? And God led him, directed him down this particular street. And as he walked down the street, he came across us working on the building site uh, and asked if we needed any help. And we got into a, uh, a bit of a chat, discovered that he knows how to do some building and we could do with an extra bit of help. And he told us something of his story. Long and short of it is we were able to provide him with six weeks work uh, and give him a financial gift at the end. This is a man who dared to ask. He asked God to meet his needs, and God provided for him. I mean, interestingly, this week, as that story came to mind, I couldn't remember uh, his name, and I messaged some of the people I was out on the team with, uh, and this is, what, uh, like 20 years ago, uh, we were out there. And no one could remember the name, and I found myself Saturday morning as I was waking up, just even praying, God, what was his name? And suddenly the name Victor, boom, came into my mind. Asked all the others on the team, like, oh, yeah, 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 Victor. Just even a small thing, asking God, I just need to know this guy's name. And God providing what we ask for. Some of you have, I think, probably heard before, I've said that when Tanya and I first moved down to uh, what we deem the South uh, in about 2008, is more expensive living down uh, in the South than the Midlands and the North. And things were financially tight for us. Tanya just started teaching. I was trying to find work. Nothing was uh, opening up. Just as a little tidbit, I got turned down for sweeping floors in Legoland Windsor. Got one of those letters that said, we've uh, had high caliber uh, applicants. Sorry that you didn't make it. So that's one of my claims to fame. I'm not skilled enough to sweep floors. Um, Anyway, so things were financially tight and praying to God, Lord, we, we need some help here. Help us. Please, please meet our needs as money's running out. And the next day, just get a, a letter through from our past energy supplier with a check for 300 pounds saying we'd overcharged you last year. I, I still can't figure out the maths and how that worked, but ask God, God provided what we needed. Eugene and Sandy Thomas They were missionaries 
uh, working in very remote areas seeking to plant churches. And one day they're traveling back to their, their home, their base, and it's 150 miles away down the river. And 100, well, it's further than that, but 150 miles out from home, boat stops. The engine just completely gives out, and Sandy says, oh, we should pray about this. And Eugene, who's normally very much for praying, has opened up the motor. He's like, there's no point. Look at it. It's completely burned out. But honey, if you want to pray, you lead us in this. So she prays, and the engine kicks back into life. Takes them the 150 miles back to their base and then dies. Doesn't last a minute longer than they needed. Sandy had a need. She dared to ask And God provided. And Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Now, of course, this isn't a blank check that we can cash in for our every whim and desire. This comes in the context of asking for our daily needs, not our self-indulgent wants. And we might read this and we hear this and we think about, well, what about those times as well when we don't always receive what we expect? And it's very easy when it comes to prayer that we spend our time focusing on these caveats about, well, let's not abuse this. and We don't want to set people up for disappointment. Sometimes we end up then actually focusing on something that God's not trying to teach us at that point in time. I was once in a meeting where we're looking at a topic of prayer and Someone had said, you know, when we're, we're teaching others on this, we, we need to be careful that we don't raise their expectations so much so that they get disappointed when that prayer isn't answered in that way. And then maybe they turn away from God and could understand a little bit of their pastoral sensitivity. But actually, like, what are we doing in terms of encouraging faith here? And what is it the Word of God is wanting to teach us at this point in time? And Jesus isn't talking about those instances of when prayer isn't answered. Here at this particular point, he's wanting us to to be expectant in prayer and telling us to come with that expectancy to ask. And when you ask, you will receive. What is it that God is highlighting for us here uh, in this passage? And yes, the whole of Scripture balances our approach to things. But if we try and get balance every time, then we miss what the, the text is telling us. What is the text telling us here? This expectancy uh, in prayer. Dare we ask God for help to meet our daily needs? When we ask, are we asking expectantly? And if we have these expectations of a begrudging neighbor to answer and to respond to our needs, then how much more so should that be the case with a benevolent father? See, more often than not, we, we don't ask. God is more willing to give than we are to ask. And so Jesus says, ask. Ask expectantly, but also expects good. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? Now, all are... She uh, quite likes having her boiled eggs uh, in the morning. And uh, 
we'll, we'll ask her, are you having egg or are you having cereal this morning? And often she'll say egg. She doesn't normally come down wearing protective clothing. I say normally because I have used this illustration before and Seth and Orla, having heard it, thought it'd be hilarious to come down wearing protective clothing uh, and a net and gloves as though a scorpion might be there instead of an egg. Because they don't normally come down that way. They, they don't expect, oh, today there might be a scorpion sitting there in the egg cup. We better be prepared. Only when they're trying to, to be a bit funny uh, do they do that. But that's not all his expectation. If she's asked for a boiled egg, she's expecting to get a boiled egg, not a live scorpion out there to stink her. And my parenting is mixed. I'm, I'm not the perfect father. No, there are many times that I fail, that I raise my voice just because I become irritated and frustrated, that I parent, um, not always for my kids' good, but sometimes for my own good, whether that's to look like a good parent or because I want a bit of quiet time. There's much repentance required in parenting. I'm no perfect father, but I've never, ever considered swapping a boiled egg for a live scorpion so it could attack my daughter. And if, if that's the approach uh, that we have, as Jesus says here, if you then, though you were evil, and none of us are perfect, if you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, God's not like us. And that's a good thing. Some of us have, have had great fathers. Some people have had monsters. Fathers are meant to reflect something of our Heavenly Father. Sometimes they do that well. Sometimes they do it very poorly. And yet even the brightest full moon cannot compare to the glory of the midday sun. And so even the best of earthly fathers just can't compare to the goodness of our heavenly father. And so if earthly fathers give good gifts, as Jesus says, then how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And God is so good, he has to tell us what to ask for. Because even what we would dare to ask for just cannot compare to what God would give. God only gives what is good. He gives what is best. And there is nothing better, there is nothing more good than himself. And so we're told here to pray each day for our daily bread. And when we think of our, our daily bread, our daily needs, now we'll think of food, we'll think of shelter, we'll think of clothing. But here when we come to verse 13, it's as though the heart of God is crying out and saying, I want you to ask for more. There's so much more that I will give you. If you ask, I will give you my very self. Ask for the Holy Spirit, a third person of the Trinity, God's very presence with us. Jesus says, ask. He has to tell us what to ask for. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And yes, these are words that Jesus spoke uh, before the day of Pentecost. And yet the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to record these words for the church after the day of Pentecost. This wasn't simply a prayer 
for the disciples, for the 120 to pray and then stop praying as soon as those tongues of fire landed on their heads. Remember, Jesus' words here, they come in this context of asking for our daily bread. This grammar that says keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking in order that we might keep on receiving. And so as we considered earlier, as, as Ben took us through those words in Ephesians 1. Now Ephesians 1, Paul talks about uh, the church, verse 13, you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That when you come to Christ, you are given the Holy Spirit. And yet, he goes on to say in verse 17, to those Christians who have been given the Spirit, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. So it's not this one-off thing. As in, I ask and then I receive and then I'm done and I'm set for life. But this continual asking, this continual infilling, this continual need, it is to be a daily request and something that has, has challenged me as I've looked at this afresh this week. You know, how often are we daily asking for more of God? This, this daily need to receive a daily deepening, this daily empowering to know God more, to, to reflect Him more. How good are we at asking? Sometimes instead of asking expectantly, it can be easy or easier for us to just lower our expectations. I'll lower my expectations uh, in this situation, then I won't be disappointed. Then we expect little and we ask for little. And we end up with a small view of God. And not just a small view of his power, more a small view of his heart, his willingness to give. You know, and yes, we do wrestle with those, those situations where prayer hasn't been answered in the way that we expect. And there is a sort of pastoral way that we approach that, but that's not our, our focus here. And our answer is not just to lower our expectations. And as we do wrestle through some of these questions, we're to wrestle through them together, supporting one another in prayer. Let's not reduce our view of God. Now, his power and his goodness is beyond anything uh, that we could imagine or conceive. We are to ask for our daily needs to be met. We are to look to him. We are to look to God and to his empowering presence, to the work of his spirit in and among us, that we might grow in our, our knowing and our showing the glory of God. And when we consider the gospel, that the God who entered into this world, Jesus Christ, came one of us, as one of us lived and was died and crucified and buried and rose and ascended and poured out the Spirit on his people, on the church. There's no reluctance on God's behalf. He did all this before we asked. Before any request from us, this has been God's plan. This has been God's purpose. And he calls us in to, to share in his purposes in Christ. 
See, the owner of the house isn't asleep and the door isn't bolted. And if we would disturb a neighbor in our times of need, then how much more should we expectantly come to God and ask him to meet our needs? There are times when we have not because we ask not. So let's ask God to to meet our needs, to give us our daily bread. Let's not stop there, though. But to ask for a deepening experience uh, of his presence with us that we might know him, uh, that we might show his glory more and more. Let's pray. Keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. Father, we've already prayed that prayer uh, today. And thank you that we can keep praying it because it is a prayer that Paul kept on praying. Lord, we need to keep praying it. Father, I pray for us and, of course, myself uh, included Lord, for how we need you, Lord, that we would indeed uh, know you more, that you would give us that spirit of revelation, Lord, that you would empower us by your spirit, that we would know you better, that we would be able to serve and to love, not out of our own finite resources, but out of all that you have given us in Christ. Father, would we see more of your goodness? Uh, and in those times where we, we suddenly become aware of our needs, oh, would we quickly Lord, look to you? And as we ask, would you be quick to answer uh, in accordance with your good and your gracious and your abundant kindness towards us in Christ? Lord, may your name indeed be hallowed uh, among your people. Lord, be glorified among us. May you be seen for who you are. Lord, and meet our needs according to your grace. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, or would like prayer relating to anything you've just heard, then please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you. You can do so by emailing us using hello at thurfieldchapel.org or fill in the contact form on our website or send us a message on social media. Thank you again. and Please do join us next week online or in Thurfield itself at one of our services or events. We would be delighted to welcome you. God bless.